Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let me see. I'm John Verhoeven, and I've worked as a cop... I was in forensics, I was in the air wing, world class, and I was a New South Wales firefighter, top shelf. Have I, have I left anything out? No, that's all I did. Oh, wait. When my dad and mum were exhausted from too much death, destruction and adventure after years in the emergency services, they did something totally normal. They decided to run a funeral home. In this season of Loose Units, you'll find out what it was like to grow up with parents who ran an actual funeral home, prepared bodies, dealt with grieving families, and who confronted death on a daily basis. It'll be harrowing, thrilling, and loose. Welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, the podcast. I'm Paul Verhoeven, that's John Verhoeven, and this week... We are celebrating the release of Electric Blue, my second book based on Dad's adventures. Dad, it's in bookshops right now. Are you excited? Beyond excited, and I've read the book, and your mum read the book. Yes, she did. She read it in... Oh, I won't tell you how quickly she read it, because it puts me to shame. I think it was it was psychotically fast. At one point, she was saying she used to read 500 pages a day, if that mm. gets, gives anyone any indicator. Yeah. Uh, but right now, obviously... You can buy Electric Blue, so it's in bookshops all over the world. Uh, it's in ebook form, it's in audiobook, and we are doing a big launch party, a big boozy launch party that you're invited to. It's this Saturday night, I think, at 7 p.m., and it's going to be on Zoom, and it's going to be really easy and really fun, and I'll be there. It's hosted by Kumi Taguchi. Uh, Dad's going to be there. Mum's going to make a cameo, which she doesn't know about yet. And obviously, this is a hugely big deal. We're very, very excited about this. So, if you want to grab tickets, um, all you got to do is, sorry, the f- head upstairs is apparently building a birdhouse in tribute to... That's... That's... That must be a bloody big bird, Paul. That's f***ing intolerable. I swear to God. <sighs> He's one of those pigeon guys who, like, feeds pigeons. I don't and, like, think in... they're pigeons. I think I you'll d- find they're um, emus. Yeah, I'm not saying that noise. boots. <laughs> I'm not saying the noises made by them. Anyway, Saturday night, 7 p.m., big Zoom launch party for Electric Blue. If you want to grab tickets, we've got a pay-what-you-feel kind of scheme. So you can pay a little or you can pay a lot or just whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, So if you head across to our Facebook page right now, you can get tickets. And also, this episode is released very, very early. We release our episodes of Loose Units around 5 a.m., Dad, as you Mm. know. Mm. I do know because I'm up at that time. You are up and running around. And I love listening to, to the... It's not that I like listening to the sound of my own voice, because that's a bit weird, mm. but I love the content of the uh, 
of the podcast. Of the podcast. But right now, that means that if people are listening right now, you could be listening, running around, in which case, hello, dad. Uh, make sure you stretch after you run. But also, if you're listening first thing in the morning, mum and I, oh, Jesus Christ. Welcome to lockdown, people. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. It's like it anyway. So I think one of the coolest things is if you're listening first thing on Tuesday morning at some sometime between nine thirty and ten thirty a.m., I'm going to be on the Today Show uh, talking about Electric Blue with Mum. So if you want to tune in, and if you haven't already missed the boat on this, you can tune into the Today Show and watch me and Mum talk about Electric Blue via Zoom. And this week is full of all kinds of really crazy Electric Blue events, and it, it caps off on Saturday with this big launch. And there are a couple of other special people kind of dialing in. I happen to know for a fact that my sister Anne is going to be watching live from Berlin. How lovely. Oh, oh wait, actually, she's she might be in Berlin. She's somewhere in Europe with her boyfriend, Tobias, who is also a big fan of the show. So, hello, Tobias. So, to celebrate kicking off launch week of Electric Blue, which is a book about your time in forensics, I thought as a special treat, we could potentially dive back into that period of your career, if you're comfortable with that, mm. Dad. You, funnily enough, said to me this morning, would I be able to just sort of reach back and grab a few stories? And as I pointed out to you, Paul, you know, after two years, uh, two books, you know, the podcast, the live shows, and copious notes and racking my brain, what I thought I'd do for you and the listeners this morning is I'd like to sort of let you know what it was like. Because when I was a young police officer and I thought I'd been to the dark side and seen some really, really bad shit, mm. I became very fascinated with the whole concept of forensics. Paul, that bird, is that in your, your house? No, that's in, that's, wait, is it here? Yeah, it's in Melbourne. It's not no, a it's Sydney not. bird. Oh, weird. Maybe it's upstairs. Maybe. Maybe that's why he's building that cage. So when I went into the city to discuss my interest in forensics, I was uh, confronted with that particular very senior uh, forensics guy who had the pair, a male and female fetus, on his desk, On yeah. his desk, in these yeah. large glass tubes. They were sort of all sort of, they were in sort of uh, some type of fluid. Mm. Um, Would that be like an embalming fluid? An embalming or? type fluid, a sort of a preserving uh, fluid. Like pickling things? Well, no, not I don't, I don't think we should say pickling because um, I like pickled vegetables. And you don't and want I to don't, ruin those. Okay. And I don't okay. want to sort of think about, I don't want to draw that comparison between... For example, a pickled beetroot and a pickled fetus. But it had always intrigued me where he got the fetuses. A bit of a Sorry, hint. Can you, can you pause for a sec? He's vacuuming now. We just need to pause for a sec because it is actually unbearably bad noise. It's funny, I can't hear the vacuuming. But I heard the knocking. I can't hear a whirl. What a pain in the ass this is. Is he still vacuuming? Yep. Maybe he's um, fallen over and he's dead and the vacuum's just on. If that's happened, right? Because mm -hmm. we've we you, there's been about ten minutes of just pause that I edited out there. But if that's happened, then we've got a real crime scene upstairs. And in which case, suddenly, you know, maybe you can talk me through the crime mm -hmm. scene. And because if you talk me through it, it'll be like the Bone Collector. But you're Denzel Washington, and I'm um, Angelina okay. Jolie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if I was to go upstairs and find a body, what's what's the first thing I do? Well, <clears throat> imagine the door's slightly ajar. Okay. And you pop your head in. Yep. And you're very nervous. You're, you're nervous because what happens if the offender's still there? Well, I mean, if he's, if he's dead, then he absolutely is. That's right. The offender. Oh, the offender. 
Mm. Oh, I was just assuming he just keeled over. No, what if he's just? What if he's been murdered? What if the? Oh. What if he's been electrocuted? If he was electrocuted, the vacuum wouldn't still be running, would it? Well, it could be a rogue vacuum cleaner. Right, you think the vacuum cleaner's come to life like that car from Christine? Well, technically it is alive at the moment if it's plugged in. Well, it's animate, it's not alive. Okay, what happens if he's, um, if it's one of those vacuum cleaners that um, emits a light? Imagine, you know how some vacuum cleaners, in fact our vacuum cleaner's got a little set of headlights at the front? Mm-hmm. It helps you see in dark areas. Yeah. But imagine if that light started oscillating at just the right frequency and triggered a seizure. Like an epileptic he, fit. Correct. And he's actually standing there in a catatonic trance whilst the vacuum cleaner is just sucking on the one spot. Oh, so you mean that the lights are still pulsing at the right rate to keep Correct. him locked in a fugue state? Yeah. So just to, just to put this in context for everyone, I know it seems like I was... You know how you're living in close proximity to some people during COVID? Mm. This has just gotten really intense. And this guy upstairs has chosen to vacuum and thump around at the exact moment that I record like today. And that is really needlessly stressful. Everything's quite... As, it's, yeah, and the acoustics in this room are bad anyway. So mm. it feels like I'm just in a, a washing machine. No, so I understand. I understand. He's, yeah, he started vacuuming. We edited out like 10 minutes of just him vacuuming. He's still going. And now dad has suggested that he might be um, trapped in a sort of well, he epileptic. he could have passed away. He could be. I mean, so I, th- I guess what I'm trying to say is that, uh, I mean, do I call the, I can't call the cops based on a vacuum. No, you certainly can't. But if the vacuum cleaner is going, say, in 24 hours, mm-hmm. that's either a really, really dirty apartment. <laughs> you said that he's building a birdcage. Maybe the birds have just come in because you said that he lets birds into his house. It's an assumption. Mm. And by the sounds of the footsteps before, I'd say there were multiple. He could, you don't know, he could actually be an ostrich breeder. Is that possible? Has it stopped? Now he's just sort of smashing things. Maybe that's okay. So the lights have given out and now his body is on the floor flapping around. Well, that could be a seizure. It could be a seizure. Anyway, let's check back in with this bizarre unfolding potential true crime later on in the show. Dad, you were talking about something before. Let's well, I was saying that when I went into forensics mm. as, a, as a very... And I looked a lot younger yeah. than I was. Um, if I had been a criminal in the 19... No, not the 19... Yeah, the 1920s. You would have been a smooth criminal. Well, you know that they used to have Babyface Nelson? Yeah. He was a notorious criminal who looked like a baby. He didn't mm-hmm. look like a baby. Let's just be clear was he a baby? about that. No, he wasn't a baby. He was just oh. a, a young person, but they, they thought he had a baby's face. So but just like let, an... Can you picture just a, just for a second an adult's body wearing like a seersucker and then the, the head of a baby and then yeah. he's holding a Tommy gun? Yeah. That's adorable. And it's sucking on a, a dummy. <laughs> so when he goes into the place to yeah. say, stick your hands up, he goes... Get your hand up, yeah, widow. I'm a widow baby. <laughs> I actually just stuck my thumb in my mouth to simulate. <laughs> but you, you stole my, my thunder. And your lolly. Okay. Um, okay, so you so, were quite young. So I would have been... But I did look... I looked young. Um, I, I would say... I've, I've looked at some of the photographs of me as a young police officer. I reckon I looked 16. You did look very young. Yeah. yeah. So I go into the forensics section all sort of excited and I see the fetuses uh, mm. that he'd named... One was a male, one was a female. He named them? Yeah. He had labels on them. They, In my opinion, they were the names he'd given them. 
I mean, otherwise it's just too... I mean, how on earth did he access these fetuses? So in the book, uh, I've called him Grey, but in real life, he had access to... Well, when I say a pair of fetuses, one male, one female... Yeah. And these these bottles were fairly large. From memory, I'd say they were 20 inches high, and they were about the diameter of... Actually, they were pretty, 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 uh, pretty wide, and they uh, they had this this fluid, as I said, and he'd yeah. capped them off on top. Yep. And there they sat to the left and right of his of his sort of antique desk. Bizarre. And uh, le- leather inlaid, turned legs. So from what I now know about with my antique knowledge, hang on, uh, the fetuses were leather inlaid with turned legs. No, no, the ta- the his <laughs> oh his, his desk was okay. leather inlaid. I mean, it was very, very, uh, it was a, sort of a, a dark, sort of cluttered, weird, sort of slightly creepy, poorly lit, just, oh, and they all wore suits that were, and, and some of the guys still had hats from the 1960s and 50s. So they, they were sort of trapped in this, this weird world. But yeah. I remember looking over at these feeders and he, he sensed, and what he wanted to do was to see if I, if I cut the mustard, if I had what it took. Mm-hmm. To be a real fair income scientific investigator, yeah, in the New South Wales Police Force, and his sole objective was to shock me. And what he did, he could see that I was very intrigued. Having said that, as a young boy, when I was probably ten, I had relatives that lived in Canberra, and one of the favourite places that I used to absolutely almost be obsessed with. And I think this is sort of it, it's a little bit weird insofar as. It makes me reflect on my genuine interest and perhaps trigger point, unbeknownst to me when I was 10, as to why I did have a definite leaning towards forensics. And that is that my parents used to take me to the um, Museum of Anatomy in Canberra, where where I got to see Farlap's Mm. heart, which was massive, still is. For a while they used to say, insert name of person or X whatever, has a heart the size of Farlap, so I was, guess I'm... it was incredible, and it had a chunk missing out of it. I'm not. There's a real history, a real story behind Farlap's heart. Farlap's mm. heart, but they also had a lot of um, organs from the human body, and I'll never forget they had a liver, uh, like a, a normal liver. Mm-hmm. And next to it, they had a liver of a person who had cirrhosis of the liver through um, alcohol um, in intake. Yeah. In the extreme. Hmm. And it was like comparing a beautiful, ripe peach yeah. and then imagine getting another peach and then taking it out into the Simpson Desert, running it over with, say, a 70-wheeler road train mm-hmm. and then leaving it on a rock for about six months. That's really had that peach. Until it became totally parched dried the life sucked out of it it looked totally almost not like a peach mm-hmm. and that's that's the analogy I, I draw between the two organs there was a story that we have told at the live shows a couple of times that you never actually told on the podcast and that means that you know a couple of hundred people have heard these but you know um, a great deal more have not 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, I think I know, I think you know the case I'm talking about. Um, and I thought, given that this story took place during your forensics time, I thought you might like to tell it on the show. Would you be up for that? Um, yep. Unless you're not comfortable telling it, you know, it's your call. No, no, no. It's um, It was one of those surreal moments where I was working at Chatswood Scientific. On this particular occasion, we had uh, a white Ford Falcon station wagon. Yes, I know that one. And we had all the gear in the back. Mm-hmm. And the guy that I was working with, he, I remember him, he had slightly long hair. I never yeah. quite could figure out how he got away with that. And he was sort of, a, he sort of struck me as being sort of a university type lecturer. Uh, he was very kind of I'd describe him kind of as a bit of a hippie. We had a call to Kirribilli and it was uh, in the morning. It was mm-hmm. a weekday morning. Now, where's Kirribilli from uh, From Chatswood? It's heading down uh, south towards Sydney Harbour, n- near the Harbour Bridge. Very green, very well off. Right? Oh, stunning. Yeah, okay. It's just, it's world class, opposite the Sydney Opera House. Uh, yep. Hang on, is that near where the Prime Minister's house is? Oh, uh, yeah, Kirribilli House. Jesus, okay. Yeah, so in, the, in in that vicinity. Okay. And okay, it was in a really, really nice block of units. Yep. I believe the block of units had been built by Harry Seidler, who's a very famous Australian architect. Okay. And it was one of those blocks of units where uh, it you'd go up to a particular floor, but then when you'd stand, there were no lifts, and you'd stand at the uh, top of the stairs where you'd just exited the stairwell, and you'd look down a long corridor. Now, to the left of this corridor there was a um an iron railing fence and to the left of that was obviously fresh air and the adjoining building so you know 
there are really only two ways to get out of the building. You could either jump over the balcony yeah, um, or you could use the stairs. So no lifts. And then you'd walk along. It was a little bit like a like a country motel where you'd, there'd be a long, long external corridor and peeling off to the right in this particular case were all the entrances, the doors to all the apartments. Mm-hmm. So looking down sort of into a vanishing point, there may have been perhaps five apartments on each level. Okay. Mm-hmm. And as I said, the only way to access each corridor was a common set of stairs at the end of the building. So we were met at the front door that was partially open by North Sydney Uniform Police officers mm-hmm. and detectives. So this was a real mystery. Now, bearing in mind, as all the listeners know, one of the most important things about any potential crime scene mm-hmm. is to preserve the crime scene. Yep. So obviously my partner and I... We went into the apartment and it was very, very warm. It was... Um, what time of year was this? Well, it was, it was summer, but this place was warm, but not in a normal sense. And it was slightly humid. So it had this sense of uh, uh, sort of... It had a bit of a, dare I say it, kind of a, an Asian jungle sort of warm, slightly sticky feel about the place. Okay, because you, you know, you and mum have a house in Thailand and we've been to stay there and it does have, there is a distinct kind of tropical vibe. Is that what you're talking about? Very much so. Yeah, okay. But we have air conditioning in Thailand. There was no air conditioning in this particular place. Hmm. The second we walked into this apartment, on the ceiling were thousands of droplets of what appeared to be water, but Hmm. they were everywhere. But they were a funny colour, or a yellowy colour, yellowy Yellow. colour. Okay. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And I just couldn't figure out for the life of me what on earth this meant. Were they dripping? Or, oh, cool, he's fucking vacuuming again. Sorry, continue. So were no, they... no, no, none of them had dropped. The floors, all the floors were dry. Okay. But I, my, my partner my colleague mm. he said to me look you you go ahead and he set up all the camera gear which was pretty involved back then because it was all with film black and white it, though right all black and white no yeah, color allowed yeah and he had all the big the flash units and he set everything up and then he got me to sort of scout ahead so i went down this hallway and the first thing i saw was uh, a bedroom and i went into the bedroom mm-hmm. And there on the double bed, which had been slept in, so the blankets were all pulled back. Mm -hmm. And it was fairly disheveled. But then upon closer inspection near the pillow or pillows were a number of uh, sex aids. Uh, The first one was a massive uh, dildo. It It was a big one. Um. How do define, I define big? Yeah. Speaking in uh, in inches, I would say it was maybe 15 inches long. Damn. And it was, um, but it was not so much the length that was so impressive. Mm-hmm. It was the girth. Now the girth was the was the it was it was the diameter of a decent sized coffee cup. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, so too big. It was it was gargantuan. Yeah. And then I got up fairly close to it 
and um, it became quite evident that there was uh, faecal matter on the uh, the end of the dildo. Right. And um, I assume it was. I didn't um, at that point. Uh, I mean, it was an assumption. I didn't. Uh, I'm not sure at that stage whether I took any samples. That'd be a real shitty job. Being the junior man, mm. all those tasks were, were always um, given to me. Okay. Which I found um, fairly distressing. But there were also some other sex aids. There was a um, there was a fist, like a massive, not massive, <laughs> but medium sized, like a kind of like a baby's arm. Any fist is big enough in that context. Yeah, okay. but it was sort of, and I've since learnt. <laughs> That it's called Fist of Adonis. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? It's pretty bad. Well, it's yeah. not terrible, but to each their own. That's not. Um, but it's a commercially available uh, item. Hang on, are they are they sponsoring this episode? No, no. Um, but so that was a fa- that was a little, and there were some other items. Uh, there were a couple of um, ampules of um, amyl nitrate. Uh huh. Have you heard of that? Yes, doesn't it like loosen the orifice no. momentarily? No, no, what does it do? I mean, I'm not sure exactly because I because <laughs> I haven't used it, but um, it used to have a trading name, like a like a sort of a nickname. It was called Rush, and it used to be okay. sold in sex shops. And when generally males, because it was very much used in the gay community during the yeah. 70s and 80s, so when the male was on the vinegar stroke. They would then have a few snorts of rush, which would give them a rush. But that's really dangerous stuff because it's actually used in, um, in I think I think it's used if people have a heart attack, it revives, it does something to the heart. Okay. So it's not meant to be used for that. But anyway, I digress. Now, I could hear something in the, in the far distance and I started to think it sounded like a shower. And I thought, now we had been in this place for probably maybe getting near ten minutes because mm-hmm. we wanted to be really, really thorough. And 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 I'm as I'm walking, I'm 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 being very, very observant because you, we we don't know what this is. We just know that we've been brought in mm. because something's not right. And I I could hear the shower going, and I came into the kitchen. And the dining room and everything was kind of, look, someone's obviously living here. Um, it, it was just like a normal, slightly slightly cluttered apartment. Um, and then the noise of the shower was getting louder and louder. And I looked onto the ceiling and everywhere I looked were these droplets. Tens, probably, well, definitely thousands of them. And yeah. they were on every ceiling. And then with great fear and intrepidation, I slowly made my way into the bathroom. And the first thing I saw was a tiny, tiny TV. And it was sitting on a little stool. And the stool was outside the bath. But I could hear the shower. Yeah. And the curtain was pretty well half closed. So from my angle, when I walked into that bathroom... I was aware there was a shower running. I was aware that the curtain was half drawn. I was aware there was a TV and the television was set at 45 degrees so that 
the assumption, and I'm speaking with a little bit of hindsight here, but it, I realised that the TV was set up for somebody inside the bath to be able to view. And as I looked at the TV, I realised that there was a what I would describe as probably a Danish B-grade porno movie showing, and it was on a loop. Now, the listeners might say to me, how do you know it was on a loop? Obviously, I watched the movie and I became aware that it was a fairly short film. Fairly, uh-huh. fairly. Um, what's the word you use to describe a film that's oh, grainy? It was fairly grainy. Yeah, yeah. Then I looked to my left and I saw a foot not moving, discoloured, and I realised that quite possibly it was a deceased male person, more than likely the occupant of the flat. And as I slowly drew back the curtain, the shower, the water was still covering, like pouring on him, like a shower. And he was seated. Uh, not Yeah, he was sitting on his, on his bottom and one of his legs was outstretched. That's the the leg that I first saw, and he was he was dead. And then I looked closely, and he had a um, a douche bottle, like a big rubber. How would I describe it? Like a massive, like a cake baster, but a but a like a, like a sort of a small balloon with a pointed end and a like a from memory a black detachable nozzle. And that particular item was inserted in his rectum. Okay. So I just. I mean, how old was I? I was, I was 25, mid-20s, 20, yeah. 25. Yeah. And I am staring at this deceased person and there was no there was no sign of uh, autoeroticism because with autoeroticism you need a, a way of choking off the blood supply and the okay. oxygen supply. Yeah. And then when you're on the vinegar stroke, um, you release the, uh, you know, or, or there'd be a bag, like a plastic bag. And it certainly wasn't, in my opinion. I just didn't. I could not fathom what on earth had killed him. But then right. one comes back to the particular fluid on the ceiling. One of the most fascinating parts of this story, because we didn't always get to follow up, and because I was relieved and assist, I'd be sort of coming in and out, in and out, in and out of of all these different jobs. But you know, I didn't get to follow them through. This case was one of the greatest mysteries of my entire police career, insofar as. Every single window had been sealed up really well. Yeah. And I remember there was a, um, like a, a dog. What are those things in the door with a little, like a little flappy? Oh, like a, um, a doggy door. A dog, doggy door. And it was, mm. and I remember thinking, cause there was, there were no animals there, but I came up with my own theory as to what had happened mm-hmm. and my, Strong feeling to this very day is that it was either A, an assisted suicide. I believe yep. that one or two people had brought a generator um, to the dog door and then filled the house up, the apartment up with carbon monoxide. And he had uh, he had died of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning and he had decided to go out with a bang. In fact, I'm, I'm just going to say, put it out there, that that's actually probably the best theory and I was thinking about while I was talking as to 
another possibility that it was actually um, perhaps a more serious crime. Not that that's a crime, but, you know, an actual crime. But then I thought, no, no, because he must have had forewarning because of the way he went out. He went out with a bang. You with me? Yeah, I'm with you. So I'm thinking my, my, my theory is that he perhaps had a terminal illness, something something was pretty bad, and he he I think some people assisted him in euthanizing him. That's that's right. my theory. Because he couldn't um, have you know put, he couldn't have organized that himself. No. Okay. So wow, what what an incredible story and what an incredible that's, thing to see. Yeah. Um. For for yeah, that was one of the standout cases, and that's something you haven't written about it, <laughs> but we we did talk about it one at one live. I think, yeah, I think it was over in Brisbane potentially, or maybe mm. Adelaide. But I mm. mean, one of the things we really miss uh, about loose units is hitting the road and actually doing live shows for everyone. And that's kind of what we're going to do a little bit of on Saturday night, Dad. So Kumi Taguchi from the ABC will be hosting this thing, and uh, she and I are going to talk about the book. And she really wants to talk to the two of us and sort of like figure out what makes us tick a little bit. But fantastic. I- as you mentioned last episode, we will finally have a drink in hand. So it's going to be really exciting. And uh, if I may uh, borrow a term, loose. So um, make sure you go across to our Facebook page and grab tickets right now to the Loose Units Electric Blue book launch uh, live on Zoom this Saturday. Uh, so it's 22nd of August, 7 p.m. It's going to be streaming globally. So what happens is once you buy a ticket, you get a link to the Zoom page. It's very simple. You click through and then you can literally sit there and watch us do our thing on Saturday night. So, Dad, what are you going to be drinking uh, during the live show? I'm going to crack a bottle of whiskey that... Um I actually can't afford to open. I'm going to. Okay. And it's it's um it's from a place where you and I have not yet done a live, a live show. show. Okay. Can you think where that is? Knowing your taste in whiskey and knowing countries which we would very much like to tour to that have listeners in them, I would say Japan. You're very very sweet, Paul, and I love my Japanese whiskey. But this is actually Tasmania. Oh shit! I would love to go to Tassie, and odds are we'll probably get to Tassie long before we get to japan i hope so anyway and i'm going to open up a bottle of um sullivan's cove which is the most difficult whiskey in the world to buy i think you were meant to save that one for when i was there but i think i'll 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 allow it i I will i i've actually uh i also bought two very very special glasses that were designed Mm. in iceland yeah so i can think of a beautiful combination of tasmania iceland you're in melbourne i'm in sydney and Mm. i just can't wait for us to get physically, you know, to see each other and and it's just be do what people used to do six months ago. And I'm I'm really excited about this. Uh, and I think you really look, mate. It's it's going to be a cracker, and um, can't wait. Obviously, the book is out right now, so today. go and buy Electric Blue. It's out today. Yeah, it's yeah. it's God, two books, incredible. Just the beginning yeah. for you, Paul. Oh, likewise. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on this very special Electric Blue launch day episode of Loose Units. We hope you enjoyed uh, being flung back in time to Dad's time in forensics, which is when Electric Blue takes place. So if you're on the fence, uh, that's the kind of stuff you'll be hearing and uh, reading in the book. So grab Electric Blue, grab a ticket to our launch event this Saturday, and we'll see you later this week for more Loose Units. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.